Hi there, folks. Ryan Rashog here, creator of Got Your Back Podcast. You know, we had two goals for Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog, episode number one. We wanted to create a high-quality audio and video podcast for you to enjoy at some point throughout your day. Goal number two was not to make it too long because we know that people are busy. Well, I'm here to tell you that we failed on both fronts. First of all, the podcast is too long. We all talk too much. It happens. We're going to work on it. Secondly, as far as the audio and video quality goes, uh, we have failed there as well. At least some of us have. We have no video of Ray Ferraro available for today's episode. Now, our crack engineering team has looked deeply into this, and the report in front of me states very clearly this is Ray Ferraro's fault. His punishment for his lack of technical ability will be, rather than having nice, crisp, clear video like Pierre and I, he instead will be represented today by this ridiculous picture. Ray, be better for your next episode of Got Your Back. For the rest of you, try and enjoy as much as you can of this epically long Got Your Back NHL LeBron and Rashog episode one. Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back NHL edition LeBron and Rashog season one episode one and boy are we excited to get going this season brought to you by cross country canada supplies and rentals we're so proud to have them as our new title sponsors for season one here on the pod cross country canada provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the canadian construction industry and what i love about them they are a truly canadian company it started with four buddies in a garage with a folding table and an idea back in 2014 and they have built it truly into something multiple locations across western canada over 100 employees and they have expanded into all areas of the construction industry their company motto is get her done i was at their head office a couple of weeks ago and it's plastered all over the walls they always talk about it uh, they live by it. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. We're so proud to have them as our title sponsor. And we're going to have some fun with them this year. We're going to do some giveaways. They've got some great high-end company swag. We're talking big, those awesome big coolers, beer coolers, and all sorts of good stuff. So we'll do some giveaways this season with Co Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. As we welcome in our first ever panel uh, on Got Your Back NHL Edition, Ray Ferraro joining us bright and early from Vancouver and Pierre Lebrun. How much did we all miss each other, fellas? Like we are now fully back at this thing, Ray. Uh, are we doing a one to 10 scale? <laughs> I don't know. You can use negatives if you need to. I feel uh, like you might 7. Need 7.4, Ryan, because we're coming off a of summer when Lebrun gets up to the cottage, you know, like he doesn't miss anything except yeah. looking out at the water. That's it. That is it. I, I spent most of my summer right here at Rocky Crest Golf Club. And that, that's not, not even like, it's not like they're sponsoring us. I'm literally just wearing this sweatshirt from my golf club uh, where I lost a lot of golf balls. You know, I put my initials on my golf balls. Oh, because, don't you know, do that. And, and and I get people that come back to the golf club and say, found another PL, found another PL. I'm like, I got to stop wow. doing that. It's embarrassing. Probably find yeah. some of those on uh, on eBay up for auction. Although they wouldn't be very valuable because there's literally dozens of them each year. Uh, well, so we're all getting <laughs> dozens. Into yeah, it. we're all getting into it. We're all getting busy again. Uh, Ray, you've been working on something that's pretty cool tonight. We'll let you plug something right away here. What's coming up tonight? A little bit of your history on display. 
Yeah, pretty awesome stuff, Ryan. About a year and a half ago, I got a phone call from these these two guys that were producing and directing this film on the 1938-1961 Trail Smoke Eaters. I'm from Trail BC and really is the you know, has been a, a great part of the legacy of, of our town. And we're very, very, very proud of it. Um, so Trophy Town will air tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on TSN. Um, and they asked if I would narrate it. And so um, I saw the film in in pre-production. I saw it as it got put together. I saw the finished product. And to be able to narrate it, to have just a small part in it was really, really awesome. The footage and the discussions with some of the gentlemen who really were kind of heroes in the town is is quite awesome. Um, here's the cool part about it for me. I'll just be brief is that, so these guys beat the Soviet Union when the Soviets were starting to take over uh, international hockey. The Canadians weren't sending pros. These are amateur players. The Trail Smoke Eaters are an amateur team, but these guys, so, um in edmonton they'll you know they'll be quite familiar with the name tambellini uh yep. steve tambellini was the oilers general manager his father addy was um was on the team uh addy ran the parks and recreation department and trail um if you went to go buy goalie gear you went to seth martin sporting goods and seth was the goalie norm mm-hmm. Arden scored the winning goal at the world championship who's my dad's best friend i mean oh, like, that's so, cool. so, so all this <laughs> stuff was so cool yep. and i hope people will check it out and enjoy it uh, it was really awesome to be part of. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and, and you know, you talk about Canada, Russia. Uh, apropos here, we're on the 50th anniversary right. of the Summit Series in Canada winning, Pierre. Uh, I, I think Ray's the only one old enough to have really been able to consciously watch it. So we'll get his memory. But Pierre, in, the, in terms of the annals of hockey history, that is about as big as it gets. Well, I was actually going to confirm with Ray that he wasn't playing on one of those trail teams, right? But <laughs> no, uh, no, I was not. Was I just, <laughs> just, just missed it, and uh, I was in the third grade for 1972. For 72. Well, well, yeah. well, I was born in April 72, uh, so just a few months before the Summit Series. But boy, it's funny because with all the stories I've been reading and the documentary of the 50th anniversary, I remember writing articles for the Canadian press on the 25th anniversary of the Summit Series. That was 25 years ago. It's amazing how time flies, but uh, obviously uh, a seminal moment really in, in the history of the game for both countries, right? I mean, you think about how that team in 72 from the former USSR influenced the sport in North America moving forward in, in, in the way that uh, the game was played. What are your memories? When, I, when you say Summit Series, Ray, what pops into your brain? Uh, game one, uh, sitting at a, a place we were staying at for a week in the summer, a little small like a, a trailer, you know, right near the lake at Christina Lake near near trail. Uh, listening on a radio because we couldn't get the game on the little TV and Canada losing game one, seven, three. And, um, you know, I was sitting there by myself because nobody really, nobody really gave the Soviets much of a, a chance in the series. And um, so I remember thinking that Canada would be, would be dominant and being devastated when it went from four, three to five, three to six, yeah. three to seven, three, and realizing that, Oh my gosh, they're not going to win tonight. And um, at, at the time, you know, I was just a kid. So the enthusiasm and um, you can almost feel the tension because when Paul Henderson scored, 
yeah. my recollection. I don't re- remember if it was, it must've been game eight, but everybody running out of the school, um, you know, at recess and just this burst of energy that Canada had won. Yeah. It was, it was remarkable. And man, if you haven't seen this footage on CBC of, of, of the series, the Russians are training, they're carrying guys around. <laughs> the Canadians are in their long underwear stretching in the hallway of, Matt, of Maple Leaf Gardens. Old school <laughs> probably calisthenics. Should've, <laughs> probably should have been an indication of yeah. what was going to happen. I, you <laughs> know, awesome. I, I got a picture of Gord Downey, um, the late Gord Downey behind me, and I always think of the opening lyrics of Fireworks, right? If there's a goal that we always remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, there's a reason for that. 50 years ago, a beauty moment in hockey history. Uh, all right, guys, going to run down the show here quickly for folks, So just so they know what's coming up. Uh, the three of us are going to talk some hockey for the next little bit here. Following that, uh, Pierre, you and I had a chance to catch up with Sens General Manager Pierre Dorian, so we're going to get to mm-hmm. that interview. We asked him about this competition between he and Brad Drew living in the offseason. Uh, we didn't ask him which one of you won it, but he fully offered up his answers, so we'll let people hear what uh, Pierre Dorian had to say about who won that contest. Uh, and then a little bit later in the show, we're going to go old school, an old school style editorial from a veteran scribe, a good friend of all of ours, Scott Burnside, is going to check in uh, with an editorial segment here on the podcast. So lots uh, up ahead here on Got Your Back. Let's get to the news of the day. Time for the breakdown, and it's brought to you proudly by Pro Hockey Life. And we are so excited to have them on board as major sponsors this year. Much like us here on Got Your Back, they are absolutely obsessed with this game. They've got 16 locations across the country, and they will provide everything you need. Are you a player? Well, how about top-of-the-line equipment, all the major brands and staff there to help fit you? Are you a parent? We'll bring all of the kids down, whether they're hockey players or not. There's activities in store to keep everybody entertained. And are you a fan? Well, they got you covered with all kinds of apparel, hats and jerseys and everything you need. And I was in there the other day, you guys, and I was looking at the apparel and I'm thinking, if you're an Ottawa Senators or Calgary Flames fan, like I was in Calgary during the playoffs last year, that building is filled with Goudreau and Kachuk jerseys. There was Mm. an entire fan base needing to go find new sweaters for this year. Yeah. That's why I always think I always wonder why people don't get their favorite jersey with their own name on the back. But I don't know how people feel about that. You know what I mean? That feels no. If you're if you're going in fandom, you're you know (laughs) you've got the whole deal in there. That I was thinking originally, man, just get a new name bar. And I'm like, yeah, but the numbers aren't going to match either. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like this Uh, is a this is a thing, and it's not like it's not like most of these people have purchased a jersey from you know, uh, about a family member who plays on the fourth line or is the yeah. seventh defenseman. I mean, these guys are, <laughs> they weren't supposed to be going anywhere. And all yeah. of a sudden, whoops. And now you got a whole half, half a new team. And um, it is, uh, it was a pretty remarkable summer. No kidding. And there is a pro hockey life in the Calgary area. So folks need to go find their Huberto or Uyghur or Kadri jerseys. All right, guys, I want to start with some tough injury news for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, all off-season long, as a GM, you build it and you envision it and you think, what's this going to look like? And you get excited about it. And boom, right out of the gates, 
You've got Tavares, an oblique strain, three weeks. That news hits yesterday. That piles on top of Timothy Lilgren. The hernia surgery, six weeks. Pierre Engvall, mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be reevaluated here in a couple of days. Muzzin has been banged up, although I think he's going to skate again right away. And then on top of all that, Sandine is not even in camp. So, Pierre, that has to be a frustrating, sputtering start on the personnel front for Kyle Dubas. Yeah, and Sheldon Keith uh, launching an F-bomb yesterday, and uh, that got everyone's attention. Uh, but, um, you know, not not to make light of this, but Ray was talking about how the Team Canada players in 72 looked before that series in terms of their conditioning. And, and I'm, I, honestly, I'm not making light of this, but, you know, these guys, these players train so hard year-round now, and I want to be careful how I make this point because you have no choice. That's the way the game is. But it's interesting how many players show up at camp with some nagging things that have come from training, right? You're training so hard, you're at it, you're at it. And sometimes uh, things happen either in the first few days of camp or before you get to camp. And you've seen that actually around the league the last few years, which is normal. But I'm just saying that's yeah. an interesting thing about these guys being absolute physical specimens. You know what, Pierre? It feels like there's more this year. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe the numbers would be the same from you know, the last regular off season and through the training injuries into camp. But the way the guys train is so different than certainly when I played, we were, we were lifting towards the end of my career in the gym, we were lifting for power. So we were lifting heavy weights, low reps, um, building power. Well, the game has evolved that that's the wrong way to change or to train. They train now for speed, uh, quickness, agility, Look at some of the injuries. Uh, there's a couple of guys out um, uh, with ruptured Achilles tendons. Uh, Anthony Duclair comes to mind in uh, right. Florida coming off a, a career season. That's training in most cases for quickness. Um, so the game, they have to hit the game or the ground running when they get to camp. We used to get a couple of weeks at camp. These guys get two days and, they, and they, they're starting to play exhibition games. So their body is, it's almost like a, an instrument and that's tuned right on the line. And here's the problem with it. I found if you got hurt in training camp, you not in all cases, but a lot of times you chase the bus for the first half of the season. Because right. Tavares is going to miss three weeks, for example. Then it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get back up to speed again. And so if you think of it that way, now he's into November. Right. Before he probably feels like he did a week ago. And, yeah. and that's that's a hard because don't forget the league is progressing by the start of November mm -hmm. too. You're yeah. always and, kind and, of chasing the bus. And the start of the season is not nothing for this Leafs team that has unbelievable pressure again on it right out of the gates because of all the baggage and and the playoff failures and and the real this is not media driven or, or a narrative, the real pressure on this front office with Kyle Dubas not being extended, uh, entering the final year of his contract. This is real on this team, right? I was talking to a head coach the other day that said, you know, obviously everyone's going to say the right things publicly. He said, believe me, everyone with that lease team is feeling it right now that they have to get off to a good start and, and sort of put this team in the right place. Well, you know. so, Pierre, to that point is, while most of the question this summer uh, always seems to get back, whether it's through the front office or what have you, around the goaltending with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, Ryan, you just listed half of the Leafs starting defense that is yeah. not in camp with Sandine and banged up with Lilligren and Muzzin. And so, 
you know, the goalie and the D are kind of like, you know, they're, they work to, so closely together. And yeah. while everyone's looking at the, at the goaltending, I'm, I'm looking at the D and wondering, you know, can, can that hold up? Yeah. Quickly, Pierre, anything on Sandine? Like, do you, I, I was just going to, yeah, I was just going to add Ryan. I, I checked with the source yesterday. So 24 hours ago. So who knows yeah. since then how many phone calls there've been, but uh, I was told status quo in that situation. So, you know, um, listen, that's the kind of negotiation because we're not talking mega money that will change in a hurry, honestly. Like, yeah. so I'm not going to predict when that's going to be, but, but I don't think we've got a William Nylander situation here into December. But, Fair yeah. enough. With the, uh, with the John Tavares news yesterday, all eyes turned to Alex Kerfoot, 13 goals last mm-hmm. season, but notable, he got off to a very slow start. I think he was pointless in like seven of his first eight games or something last season. So they will need a fast start from him. If he is going to be the guy, I got to, you know, you talk about angry coaches in preseason and Sheldon Keefe with maybe some frustration and reason to be yesterday. I always get a kick out of it, Ray, in preseason when coaches want to do a little message sending. How about Rick Bonus last night after a Winnipeg win? Take a listen. Two things that slow you up are long shifts and turnovers. And we're guilty of both tonight. You, 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 so if take out the X and O's and everything. If you want to stay out there for 55 seconds and you're going to turn pucks over, you're going to play very, very slow, which we did. In the th- hey, shots fired from the head coach after a win. Uh, coaches, <laughs> coaches love the example happening right in front of them. Oh yeah. So you don't even have to try and sell it to the player because. You just run a clip of a couple of guys wandering around out there with a, a timer at the bottom of the of the screen going 51, 52, 53, 54, and the guy sits there and shrinks and goes, whoops. I mean, that's a that's <laughs> yeah. an easy one, and, and uh, that's a gift to yeah. a new coach who's trying to, you know, change things to the way he likes in, in Rick Bonus. As for Sheldon Keefe, man, that is predictable right out of the coach's playbook from day three, four, five of training camp where guys are just a little tired. They're a little banged up. The coach wants, he wants like some engagement and the guy's like, yeah, it's 1030 in the morning. I'm just waking up. I'm telling you, like the, the, uh, I've done it before. You look, you turn around and you're like 1047. Yeah. He, he wants us to be more physical. I'm still kind of like, oh. yeah, what's going on here? Just to round out the story for people, Keith yesterday at practice blew down a drill because he just he didn't like the energy. Warned the guys, had to blow it down again right away, and that was it. Full on yeah. the line you go in the conditioning skate back and forth to try and shake. Pierre, you're, Pierre, you're a head coach. You do that with the little ones. Uh, no. Well, first of all, I'm <laughs> I, I'm the assistant coach. I like to okay. say I, I open the door for my 11 year old daughter on our rep team, but I just opened the door. There's no coaching here from, from, yeah. from me. But um, going back to Rick Bonus, and I, I don't want to make too much of it, but I wonder if this is a buckle-up situation in Winnipeg this year with Rick Bonus. And, and, here, oh, and yeah. here's, what I, here's what I would say is that Rick Bonus contemplated retiring after Dallas and, and was only going to come back for a pretty specific opportunity. And obviously going back to Winnipeg is a very specific opportunity. It spoke to him. But I also know that at his age – um, it almost reminds me of Dale Hunter going into Washington <laughs> where uh, Rick Bonus isn't going to put up with a lot. And it's not that that's really usually his thing. He's usually more of a player's coach, I think. But I have a feeling that given the way things ended in Winnipeg last year and, and, and you know, people questioning, I don't know, some of the leadership or whatever's going on, 
this might be interesting with Rick Bonus in Winnipeg here this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. The pressure is is certainly on. It'll be interesting. I mean, he, he he went in there with a bang, made the big decision. We all saw, pulled the C off of Blake Wheeler, sent the signal that, you know, we're not sure who the captain of this team is, Blake, but we know it's not you, and took the C off of him, didn't give it to anybody. That's a bold statement. So Bonus is in there making some noise already. Uh, I want to go around the league here quick, guys. Uh, Ray, what's your take on a guy like Jason Robertson coming off the year he came off, 41 goals, 79 points, uh, without a contract, not in camp, an owner who talked in the offseason about all oh, these young guys that take up all the money. Uh, this is a major. And Pete DeBoer's quote, guys, I laid awake at night with excitement of coaching Jason Robertson. Uh, that's what he said as camp broke and Robertson wasn't there. Ray, what do you make of him not being there? Um, I I totally get why he's not there. Um, of course, Jason and his representatives are talking to Dallas and saying, hey, you got a 40-goal score. And uh, Dallas is saying back to them, uh, yeah, but two years ago, we didn't know if he could play in the league yet. And so the commitment that I'm sure the Robertson camp is looking for is, you know, you got to swallow hard to do it, like to – you know, like, do you have a 40-goal score or do you have a 27-goal score that struck lightning in a bottle? Like, what do you have? And how how do you know? I mean, like, you just, you just don't know. And so the difficulty in making that deal with, as well, huge cap commitments to Jamie Benn still and, to, and Tyler Sagan. Mm-hmm. So they're... they're they're in a tough spot to make that deal work. And of course, the the one thing that cramps every GM up is what if I give him a two-year deal and the guy scores 43 and 47? Then what? So yeah, it's uh you pay. this is a tough one. Yeah, this is a tough one. And I, I can see why they're at a stalemate, Pierre. Uh on Yeah, this. and you know, when I talked to Jim Neal, I think it was about two weeks ago, he had just signed a contract extension and uh, I asked him about Robertson, and he was really hopeful to have this done by the start of camp. So pretty disappointed in Dallas right now. And, you know, I think if you're a team that really believes in these young guys and you're seeing it with all the extensions we've seen, a lot of the extensions we've seen this mm-hmm. summer, is you really want to go long because obviously the bet that – well, it's not a bet. I mean, the knowledge that teams have is that the cap is finally going to start going up again. Uh, it's going to start going up for real in, in the summer of 24 and then even more so in the summer of 25. So the um, – you know, term is your friend if you're a team, as long as you can live with the AV. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a bit of the back and forth between Colorado and Nathan McKinnon, too. Uh is that okay, right. we know the cap's going up, but we also want to win more than one cup was sort of the back and forth between Colorado and, and Pat Brisson and Nathan McKinnon. The interesting thing is Pat Brisson is the same agent negotiating uh with Jason Robertson right now. Uh so you know, I, I think that's part of the discussion right now. Yeah, okay, the cap's going up in two years, but where does that still fit in with everything else we're trying to do here in Dallas? Player that was, uh, I think he was top 15 in Hart Trophy voting. Uh, he's really bursting onto the scene here this last couple of years and an absolutely key component for the Dallas Stars. We'll keep an eye on that one. Now, Pierre, you have an article coming out in The Athletic today. You caught up with Habs general manager Kent Hughes. Uh, retool. I always like that quote unquote retool oh. versus rebuild. Uh, I don't know, Ray, but well, listen, before I, we let Pierre talk, I, Ray, I, I was going to say, I, is it I a rebuild say, or a retool? All right. Okay. <laughs> Ray, are they, they're oh. rebuilding to me. If you're in last place in the league, 
You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> I would suggest you rebuild. Now, it's like your house has got one good corner and three bad ones. Oh, we're just going to retool it. You're taking it down to the one stud, and then you're going to fix it. They got lots of work there, but they're, what I like is it seems like, and Pierre, you know, I read your article this morning, um, uh, and it just seems like it's such a, it's such a smart rebuild. Like there's mm -hmm. so much going on at the same time. And you can't get it all right, but you you try and make one decision, one big decision that you can and let that mushroom out a little bit. You know, first it was like, I don't know, Marty St. Louis comes from, what was he coaching, Bantam or Midget Hockey? And, <laughs> right. and I remember thinking, man, like, how could you not respect Marty's career? But I'm like, how's he going to coach an NHL team? Like he's, right. right, he's never done it. But Kent, you build on your relationship that you know of. And Kent had Kent Hughes had, and Jeff Gordon for that matter had a had a history with Marty. They were comfortable. He would go in. Well, that's mushroomed into your head coach, and your head coach makes an impact. Now you've got a, you know, they I don't even know how many draft picks they have, but now how do you get those guys a little touch of the NHL this year? Because you can't put nine rookies in. That just never works. Right. Never works. And, and they don't want to do that. But, right. And so that's yeah. why that's why part of this is has to be a rebuild is you're putting a little bit in here, a little bit in here. Some will work, some won't. Nobody hits on all of their grade A prospects, right? It it always happens. And but it seems like such a smart, patient approach in Montreal. That's totally the impression I get. And and um, you know, will it work in the end? We'll see. But it feels so modern which I think is what this organization needed to look at the, the hires in analytics and player development, all those things. Um, to be clear, uh, you know, maybe the headline that my athletic editor put out there in my article is misleading. <laughs> Ken Hughes never used the word retool or rebuild. That's, that's what him and I kind of laughed yeah. about is that they, Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes refused to put a label on what this is on purpose. And as Ken Hughes explained, the reason he doesn't want to put a word on it is that, he doesn't want to be boxed in by a timeline. And his point is, it's all about asset management for him. Of course, they're going younger. Of course, this is a, a major roster reconstruction, in particular with Carey Price, you know, not playing this year. And who knows if he'll play again. Now it's pretty clear what the path is for this organization. But his point is that there may be moves available to him because of all the draft picks they have. That are sometimes may may surprise people. In other words, he may actually trade for a player here and there, mm -hmm. and not just about picking up draft picks and prospects. Like it won't be completely linear, and it just sounds so modern to me. What he's saying is, we know what we want to do, generally speaking, but that doesn't mean that it's completely detailed around the corner because we don't know what the next opportunity is to improve our organization. That's why he doesn't want to label this with a specific word. Huge opportunity coming up, uh, 20 million bucks coming off the books in terms of the cap. Like in the next, you know, season or two, off season or two, uh, they're really going to have the opportunity to start shaping things and maybe even adding a little bit. So we'll yeah, see. And what you know what, Ryan? Is. Yep. Ryan, to that, they've got already, they've got the three or four PR really good young defensemen that they're mm -hmm. super excited about. They, that aren't on their team yet. They have Caulfield. They have Suzuki. They have a young group of players that 
you know, gives you this shove down the road. Like there are teams that are in their position and they're just drafting the players now. Those guys are three to four to five years away from being real impact guys. Yep. You know, 21, 22, 23 years the, old. So the, they're they're ahead of the the start of the road a little bit here. Yeah. The thing I, that I, I would like, say, except for one thing, I would say, Ryan, sorry, I would say, except for one thing, guys, and, and I'm not, listen, I'm, I don't want to be Captain Negative here, but I talked about this with Ken Hughes. The, the irony of all the things you just said, uh, Ray is bang on. Uh, they're doing things in a very modern way, mm -hmm. player development. They've already got some kids in the system, some kids on their NHL roster. The one thing now going out the door at the same time that all of this is finally happening is a generational superstar goalie who's going straight to the Hall of Fame is yeah. is, is out. And there is no guarantee. All they hear is that Carey Price covered up the shortcomings for that organization. There's no guarantee, as Kent Hughes acknowledged in, in our interview, that the, the Habs will easily be able to go out and, and figure out what their goaltending is the next. Fight. Yeah. You know what that does, yeah. Pierre, that puts them in the same boat as about 18 other teams. Sure. Right. Yes. Like yes. look how many teams are looking for this guy. And maybe, maybe the way forward is unless you've got one of the top seven or eight goalies in the league, you don't even worry about it. You try to right. get two guys to use your money as efficiently as you can in that position, because playing, paying an average guy six and a half million dollars, cause you need a number one, uh, I, I think that's that's not the right way to go. The one mm. the one thing I took away from the article that I like, Pierre, was that they want to try and whatever, rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, but without creating a losing culture. I covered the Edmonton yeah. Oilers mm. through a period of time where they tried to rebuild with youth and a losing culture ended up developing. Big reason why they did not have the veteran presence around them yeah. to help shepherd them through. But you look at the Canadians lineup, that's not a danger here. Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, uh, you run through the lineup, Edmondson, Savard, Joel Edmondson. Yeah. Yes, there are, and, and it's why they want to, and it's why they want to extend Jake Allen. By yes. the way, yeah, right. good stuff. Look forward to uh, if you haven't seen it, folks. Uh, athletic uh, peers call them in the athletic today. Okay, guys, as we wrap up today. Uh, we're going to introduce uh, a segment. This might be the only time we ever do it. I don't know. Don't care. Let's see how it goes. We're calling it quandaries. Uh, I got thinking the other day about a situation I found myself in, guys, and you can weigh in on this. So I was volunteering at a charity golf event here in Sherwood Park for the Junior B Knights, and I was on a par three. I was stationed on this par three, guys, and as groups were coming through, they were competing against me to get the ball closest to the pin. If they beat me, they got their name in a draw. Da -da 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 -da. So I'm hitting this shot over and over through the day. It's 115 yard, nice little gap wedge, you know, nice distance for me. I got eight, to pick eight the iron? distance at the beginning. Yeah, eight iron. No, no. <laughs> Hybrid. And uh, <laughs> I'm, you should see me. I'm really scrunched over and a hybrid in my hand all the time. I'm like a 90 year old golfer. Uh, oh, anyway, great. so I'm hitting this shot all day competing. And I got thinking to myself, if I jar one of these, Am I allowed to walk the earth as a man who has gotten a hole in one? No. No. Nah, nah. This, no. This would be this would be the same, Ryan, as you dunking that gap wedge into the water, and then as you re-tee, I was gonna say the hole, you get a three, you don't get a one. Okay, but 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 I, I'm I'm sitting there. Each new group that comes up, I get one shot. It's a fresh competition. 
I'm teeing it up from the spot no. you would tee it up. No. I'm hitting it to the no, hole. No, no, you have a great normal. story. You have a great story, but I actually know a friend that I that I golf with once in a while that that had to re-tee on a par three and and dunked it, and it's a famous par. That's what it becomes no, the great I, story. I, wouldn't you say right. though, Pierre? Pierre, wouldn't you say this would be awesome for that if to happen? To Ryan yesterday, so he could go around and say, "Hey, I got a hole in one," and we could all say, "No, you didn't. No, it was you on didn't. your thirty-third shot." Uh, by the way, guys, I threw this out. I threw this out on Twitter, and we got tons of responses. By the way, and Pierre, was that friend of yours, Cam Cole? Because Cam Cole responded. Here's what he said: "Sure, you hit it, and it went in the hole. Happened to me once too at Wolf Creek. Same sort of deal, though. It's not one of the two I normally brag about." Cam Cole says that it would have been. And he's nope. Mr. Golf. Cam Cole is no, Mr. Golf. No, but how about how about that humble brag? It's not one of the two I one usually. Of the two. <laughs> hey, I, I, I was going to say, I, I don't want to be too righteous about all this conversation because I was the guy who once tweeted about getting an eagle on a golf course in Arizona, and Darren Dreger and a bunch of people came after me so hard for, for <laughs> tweeting that. Uh, more responses. Uh, uh, what else do I have? Act like you've been there before. Uh, oh, Golf Canada responded with a meme of Will Ferrell laying on a couch, shaking his head no. So Golf yes. Canada. If, go, if, golf can, rules, if Golf Canada is putting the Knicks on I'm you, screwed. I'm going no. Uh, Jeff O'Neill, you cheated with Jimmy. Why not again? Hashtag oh, Belvedere Hole 17. We played around when they were in town for the World Juniors. He swears that Duffy cheated and that I enabled cheating with James Duffy. And he's mm. been complaining about it and bitching about it on Overdrive for two months since it happened, or a month and a half. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be on Overdrive later today. Yeah. I'm going to bring up that your I'm going to I'm going to say I heard that you had a hole in one at this charity tournament. The <laughs> but, facts but, 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 don't have to. They don't have to be facts. It'll just be oh, we'll jump on you like like a trampoline. This oh, and, 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 and by the way, we buried we buried the lead here. Like who? 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 Which celebrity canceled that you have to take over that job at the uh, at the golf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. My my younger brother Rob was the one they wanted, but he couldn't make it. Uh, we had some list, uh, just some listeners and some people on Twitter uh, chiming in as well. Blair Frederick said, "Come on, hard no, no different than holding out after first one went into the water and reteeing it and saying mm. I aced it." Nope, you parred all day long from Blair Frederick. Yeah, I'm, I'm, although you guys on the mentions, it was actually pretty close to being 50 50 here. So, wow. so I would say word. the night, the 19 yep. handicaps are saying yes. <laughs> and the, the legit, the legit, the lower ones are going, no, not a yeah. chance. So yeah. we need an ultimate arbiter here on the segment quandaries. And I think it probably should be Golf Canada, but it's not going to be. Guys, we have an ultimate arbiter here for our uh, quandaries segment. Uh, the man whose opinions are legendary, none other than Terry Ryan. Here is Terry Ryan's oh. arbitration. As the ultimate arbitrator, I've come to a decision, and I've decided that you cannot take credit for the hole-in-one without explaining the metaphorical asterisk associated with the shot. You can say, I made it in one shot, but if you tell anybody you have a hole in one, you have to tell the whole story. The same reason I don't leave it at, I scored on Patrick Waugh, I add, I scored on Patrick Waugh in practice. <laughs> Final <decision. laughs> 
Terry Ryan, ladies and gentlemen, the ultimate arbiter here uh, on Got Your Back. Oh, I think we just got to a... give that to him. I mean, he plays Ted Hitchcock on Shorzy. He's got to have the final say. He's an actor. He's a famous by actor in a hockey By fan. the way, by the way, um, did you hit the green? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I okay. paid. Just, no, and, just... and in fact, we were letting people pay an extra 10 bucks, and then I'd have to tee off with a seven iron. And I, like, no lie, I'm not like humble brag here. Not so humble brag. I knocked her to three feet with a seven iron from 115 yards. Like I did this. How many groups? How many groups, Ryan? How oh, many groups? 35 groups, probably. I was hitting it all day. So, yeah. so you're telling us one time you got it to three feet. Hey, yeah. good playing. <laughs> with a good seven playing. iron. Details matter, and, Ray. Details and, matter. And 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 it was uh it, it was burning along the the fairway and bounced off. Oh, yeah. the- do, do you know? Hey, ones. hey, I'm. Uh, there is there is some maybe some studies done. More, you'd be surprised how many hole in ones go in like that, like a a poor shot. Yeah, the worm like grounder. Yeah, right. Because yeah. it, it kind of like bounces in as opposed yeah. to this majestic thing that yeah. You know, Ryan I, is hitting I, I with had, that uh, seven. Yeah, my, my buddy's wife once we were playing uh, we're about 15 years ago, and that's what happened. She she kind of duffed it off the tee. She's actually a good golfer, but she it happens to all of us. She duffed it off the tee, and it just kept going up the middle, single awesome. single into center field, and went right in the yeah. cup. <laughs> yeah. So good. Was great. Well, listen, guys, my goal was to keep these podcasts under an hour. We have failed mightily at our goal. We've gone way over time. Ray, I know you got to get out of here, or either that or you got to crawl up into that bunk bed behind you. Like what do you got uh, this going is, on behind you? Got like, is it bunk yeah, beds? Yeah, so this that uh, it's a it is kind of a bunk bed area, but the kids, especially when they were little, would go up there. They've got Reese, our twelve year old's got all kinds of toys and things up there. It's like his hangout place. And you can't even see the mess from the main floor. That's brilliant. Can, cannot see it all. At all right on. No, Good actually, stuff, that's guys. just for a kitchen table, Ryan. That's how I got to get up there to eat. <laughs> can you ever crawl up there with a plate of food just to hide like it's a dangerous climb I okay would think. You just want yeah to the older it. guy riley he would go up there and pretty soon like after a week we'd have no forks and you'd go up there there's plates and forks and he'd be like yeah i was just hanging out there well bring them down once you go up eh, you know how that yeah. goes Got conversation i have in our house almost every day with my three kids yeah yeah you wouldn't believe no the number of, number of dishes I have hanging around in this office right now. It's it's an atrocity. <laughs> anyway, guys, we need to go. Thanks so much. Uh, nice job, fellas. Uh, Ray, we'll check in with you again soon. Appreciate it, my friend. You betcha, guys. This is going to be fun. You guys are going to do a great job, and it's uh, fun to join you. Pierre, always love the whaler behind you, even though the true whalers didn't have gray behind the emblem. I know. That, that, oh, that's, that's the, the second version. incarnation. That's wow. the second one right there. I still, uh, at least once a day, think of Brass Bonanza, by the way. One of the greatest <laughs> hockey songs ever. Uh, it is a beauty. Uh, Zuby, maybe, uh, by the way, Chris Sabunia working the controls behind the scenes for us. I think, Zuby, that gives you the green light to use Brass Bonanza to break here. Uh, we are finished with the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Sends general manager Pierre Dorian in conversation with Pierre and I. Well, the two of them talked. I just kind of hung out. That's coming up next. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. 
Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. All right, time now for Who's Got Your Back, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High quality advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. Liberty Smart Security uses leading edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. You can go to libertysecurity.ca. I have been using a Liberty Smart Security alarm system to protect my family for the last six years. And I love it. The cool thing about their stuff, you can be as advanced as you want, or you can be as simple as you want. They've got like geofencing and you, your, alarm or your, your security system will trigger when you leave a certain geographical area based on GPS locating. And they've got cameras and all this techie stuff for the techie geek like me. Or you can just have an awesome alarm system that's really simple that goes on and off as you need it to. Uh, Liberty Smart Security is a great way to protect your family or your business. All right, our first ever interview here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog, Senators General Manager Pierre Dorian, one of the busier GMs this previous offseason. Listen, finally an opportunity for them to stop dismantling and start piecing it all back together. Uh, He joins us courtesy Liberty Smart Security. Well, Pierre, our first ever guest here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog. So I don't know what you'd be feeling right now, if it would be frustration or if you're feeling a little honored or uh, I'm not sure what emotion (laughs) hits you, but you're our first guest, my friend. Uh, The greatest honor of my life. (laughs) Well, well, I I said to Ryan, it had to be someone named Pierre. So, you know, I mean. It narrowed down the field. We're just kidding, obviously, Pierre. It's uh, it's great. It's great to have you on. Uh, you were one of the more active GMs this offseason, so we're looking forward to this chat here. For sure. Let's get to uh, a couple of bits of business first, Pierre. We'll uh, sort of deal with this stuff first. Uh, any updates on uh, contract talks with Alex Formanton, of course, is an RFA and and not with you guys at the moment. Anything? Any new reporting there for us? No, nothing new. Do you think you'll have him sign before the season, Pierre? Or is it hard to tell right now? Uh, it's hard to tell. Right. And listen, uh, a very serious matter. Alex Formanton and, and his teammate, Drake, uh, uh, Drake Batherson, both were teammates on the 2018 World Junior Team. I know you were asked about this last week by your local media, Pierre. Um, my question for you, knowing that the league is still in, in investigating it, is how how – you're dealing with it in terms of your communication with the organization and the team as far as, as, as how you're dealing with it. In other words, the investigation is still happening, but what's the communication been like about, you know, you're aware of this and, and you want your players to understand that the organization is, is obviously serious about understanding what's happening here. Well, I think if you just look back last four or five years, when I addressed the players at training camp, a lot of times, whether it's at the start of camp or when we make our team, I was telling them that, you know, if you see anything that you don't think is right, you come and report it to me or my sister general managers. Uh, always, I think, whether it's workplace harassment, bullying, uh, we we think that this is very important. Uh, there's got to be a respect in the workplace. And whether it's on the ice, off the ice, or all through the organization, whether it's Ottawa or in Belleville, we always feel that it's very important. Good stuff. Appreciate you addressing that, Pierre. I was thinking about what, 
training camp might be like for you this year compared to previous years in that this was a summer where you really got to finally start putting new, fresh, impressive pieces in place and how different it must be to watch your team out there on the ice with all these new additions as opposed to previous years where, you know, the bigger part of it was maybe removing some guys, trying to fill some holes. How much different a feeling is it for you watching this group that really there's been significant assembly to? Well, it's more fun. Obviously, there's less spots open this year for our team. Uh, we have more veteran players. You know, part of the plan was always when we first started this rebuild was to bring in, I wouldn't say lesser players, but probably the highest character people we could bring in to set a foundation for our younger players. Now we brought in uh, talent. We brought in high talent. And, you know, at the same time, we've been able to lock, lock up our core for you know, quite a lot of years. So I think uh, for us, it's just, it's way more fun. Uh, We know we were going to have a team that's going to compete most nights. It's not just a bunch of kids in the lineup. It's, it's really a good group of players. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this rebuild here and and when you guys announced it a few years ago. And, and and then I've been thinking about your colleague, Brad, true living in Calgary, The, the two GMs, I think that get a lot of the, the compliments for their summers are yourself in the East and Brad true living in the West. And, you know, the flames had an interesting situation. I'm curious what, what, how you thought he pivoted that, you know, they're forced into, you know, they lose Johnny Gujo to free agency. They're forced into trading Matthew Kachuk. I think back to when essentially you were forced into trading Mark Stone when you couldn't extend him. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. obviously trading Eric Carlson, you guys went full rebuild and and now we're seeing the fruits Mm -hmm. of it. Calgary decided to hang in, and make trades for now. Obviously, both paths are, are, are totally acceptable if they work, but what's your sense of how Brad handled that in Calgary? Well, people talk about, you know, of course you hear stuff. Who had the better summer, Calgary or Ottawa? Brad <laughs> always wins. He's not, he's the best. He's way better than me. It's not even close. So, um, you know, well, you're our first guest, though. He's not. Yeah, he's better than me. Let's face it. It's not even close. Um, I, I think what Brad did is unbelievable. Um, I don't want to talk about specific players because I'm always very careful. I never want to say anything bad or good about players. Mm. But I think what Brad was able to pull off in a two to three week span and then adding a significant, you know, probably one of the better centermen out there in Cadre, I think, man, yeah. <laughs> He, he was one by far number one and everyone else was two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now I think he had, he did a great job for that team, especially a team that's on, you know, a team that can contend for the cup. They, they didn't take a step backwards. So uh, kudos to Brad. When you were envisioning the process back when it first started this, this rebuild, did you always kind of have this particular season circled as the the year and maybe the off season where you thought that might be where the sharpest corner is turned? Or was this, are you a season behind? Or are you maybe a season ahead? Did you have this year earmarked? Uh, to me, th- this was really the one year that I felt we would uh, be able to take the biggest step. Um, first of all, I'm not going to hide it. I've known for quite a long time that Claudia was going to be a UFA and he's someone we targeted. Um, you know, you look at who, you know, as a general manager, you look every year, I can tell you who's going to be pending UFA at the end of this year. Two years from now, I have a good idea who will be pending UFA. Three years from now, you know, there, there's so many things that change, but you're always looking, you know, guys, 
once they're over 27 and once they have their seven accrued years, when they're going to be possible UFAs. And for the last few years, been watching, hoping that he wouldn't extend in, in <laughs> Philly uh, quietly. And, you know, we knew this year would be a year that um, we would be going after bigger names, better talents. And we were able to do that with Alex through trade and Claude uh, through free agency. So who are you looking at for next year? <laughs> <laughs> we won't Sorry. tell anyone if you tell us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, when, when Claude Drew chose you, uh, you guys pair, and there was interest from other teams, you know, um, I always think when, when a veteran free agent makes a decision like that on the first day of free agency, it's the ultimate compliment when the team has rebuilt and is trying to take the next step, that Claude Drew clearly believes that this team is is – closer the light at the end of the tunnel than maybe some people thought and and that's why he chose you guys but it's not just his is obviously one of the top face-off guys still in the league still a very creative offensive player but i have to imagine pierre his leadership and the way that he handles himself and what how that can rub off with your young core that's a big part of why you went after him Exactly. And how he competes game in, game out, how he plays hard. I think, let's not fool ourselves. This is still Brady and Shabby's room. Uh, but adding the addition of Claude, and that's our, you know, that's our three key parts of our leadership group and how he's going to rub off on younger players, how we can help um, Tim Stutzla, how we can help, you know, Shane Pinto, whether it's withdraws. Uh, you know, we're bringing so many intangibles here that we're really excited to have him on board. You know, when you when you sit and watch what you've got assembled out there, uh, is there something that's nagging at you on the to-do list? I mean, obviously, you guys have been linked, uh, you know, maybe some interest in Jacob Chikrin. I know you're not going to talk about specific players, but if I were to suggest that maybe a, a minute-munching defenseman might be in order in Ottawa, uh, how high is that on your to-do list, and how active are you being right now in that front? Um, obviously... <laughs> every other GMC has been coming from a mile away. <laughs> Obviously we, we addressed our, I, I feel, you know, we feel we've addressed our top six, which we did. We addressed our goaltending, which we felt we did and adding Cam Talbot, not a, just a great goalie, but a great human being just spending time with him. What a great human being this person is. Um, and he stops the puck and he was an all-star. And, you know, obviously if we could shore up our defense, it'd be something we look at, but going through camp, I'm, Pleasantly surprised by some veterans, how they've played. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Jake Sanderson, even though he hasn't played one real NHL game yet as far as regular season, I think he's someone that's going to push to be in lineup, push to play big minutes. Uh, we'll see how these next few weeks of camp go. But we're excited, you know, to see what we got at him. Uh, really been impressed how Eric Branstrom's played. So, you know, obviously, there's prices to pay to acquire, uh, you know, someone a minute munching defenseman as you call them but at the same time i think sometimes you got to look at what you have and maybe it's better just to keep what you got mm-hmm. and you feel like the i wouldn't say the window is closed but it's there are certain times of the year both in june and around the trade deadline near the end of the regular season where there are more moves in the rest of the year right there so i mean is it still how possible can you make that kind of move here within the next month or two, or do you have to be patient? Pierre, you can make moves anytime from now until the trade deadline. There's no, obviously always always careful around (laughs) Christmas time. Um, You're always careful around Christmas time and whether it was a good trade, bad trade, look when we made the trade for Matt Duchesne. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember, I think, 
and I hope Joe Sackett's not mad at me. He said, when I when we threw in that third round pick, the deal was pretty much done. We waited about a week to get it done. Hmm. So um, sometimes it's a team says, okay, you don't need to throw this part in, or we throw it another part in, and then the deal gets done. Uh, you've both of you have talked to enough GMs know that you know some deals take three minutes to make. Uh, the Philip Gustafson for Cam Talbot was one of the easiest deals I've ever made. <laughs> Bill Guerin's such a good guy. It was so easy to do. While other well, deals, well, 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 you, can, you can thank Cam Talbot's agent for that. that, that, got that. <laughs> he helped out, I imagine. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you guys speak on that one. <laughs> but, but that deal was, was consummated in about three calls. You know, it was so easy, so easily done with Bill. Well, other deals, you're trading a prospect for a late pick wherever, and it seems to take 15 calls. Mm. So it just depends on the scenario. You know, but deals can be made. Just to get back to your point, Pierre, from now to the trade deadline, you can make a deal within five minutes, and it, or it might take you a week, but deals can be made at any time. Okay. The only thing, around Christmas time, I always believe, you know, give a bit of credit. To, I remember seeing uh, Brian Burke saying something, and especially guys with kids, Around Christmas time, I think you, you gotta the, the human side has to come into it a bit more about you know you know trading a guy two weeks before Christmas where he's not he's going to be away from his kids because we don't take we don't have that much of a big break. I think there's the human factor that has to come into that one. Pierre, there's a number of different ways that you can you know measure success, metrics, numbers, uh, and I'm not going to let you use the word wins as your answer to this question. So I'll put that caveat right there. Uh, beyond wins, what quality are you most hoping to come out in this team that will indicate to you uh, positive steps are being taken? What quality are you looking to see? Well, if we're not going to use stats, because stats are, are a big factor in you know, relating to team success, uh, I think growth, growth of core, uh, leadership of veterans, uh, Goalie who's stop goalies who stop the puck, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I like how you pluralize that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest secret in the game: if you have a good goalie that stops puck, you're probably way better or smart GM overachieving. Yes, I, I haven't seen many good coaches without goaltending. So, um, so I think you know, I think those are things. Playing with structure, it's so important. DJ talks about it so much. Um, and perfect example. I hope I don't. I hope I don't get into trouble. DJ goes to everyone. He goes, look at Nick Holden. Look at him. He's he's thirty some years old. He just always plays within structure, but he never gets in trouble. And that's what you want. So I think if you if you look at you know the four things I talked to you about: growth of young core, uh, leadership of the veterans, uh, production obviously of everyone, um, having goalies that stop the puck and playing within structure. I think if we hit on those four things, I think it'll, it would be a successful season. But, but I do want to ask you about a stat, actually, unlike Ryan. I know, I, I know that there's some stats we've talked in the past here that you pay close attention to after a game, the next day, bigger picture. I mean, maybe share some of those thoughts with our viewers as far as yeah. what, what matters to you. No, I've gotten, I wouldn't say it's the first thing I look at, but it's one of the first things I look at analytically. Obviously, analytically to me, zone exits are so key. Like I know DJ, he looks a lot at denials, like denying the zone. I look at the other way around. The 
getting the puck out of our own end is something and zone entries is another thing that I look at a lot, but zone exits, our success rate of zone exits is something that I look at a lot. And to me, the face-offs, I, you know, I know that's an old stat, but like face-offs are so important. Like I got a seven or 16 year old, that's a centerman. And I always ask him first thing after his game, well, first of all, did you work hard? Yeah. Did you do your best? Yeah. Okay. How were your face? You know? so, <laughs> third question. Third question. Every yeah, game. Third question. Really? But I really want to get to the first one, you know? So <laughs> the part about face-offs is so important and probably one of the most telling stats, you look at where teams fall as far as save percentage. For the most part, if you're in the top 16 save percentage, a lot of times you'll be in the playoffs. Yeah. That's a big one. No question. That's a big one. Listen, I know we're, we're going to let you go here. I just wanted to ask, uh, we noticed through uh training camp that uh, Daniel Alfredson made an appearance and uh, that definitely a few eyebrows raise up there. It seems to me, Pierre, you guys have made a real effort to draw alumni in, in a number of different ways from Phillips and Redden and Neil, everybody's kind of getting a little bit more involved. Uh, is there a chance that you'll see more of Daniel Alfredson coming around and being part of things on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, how important is it for that alumni to be present, especially with such a young group of current players? No, oh, I think I'll answer the Daniel part in the second half of my answer. But the first part is definitely, I know I'm meeting with Lori Bosch, and I've met with him the last few years, obviously with COVID. We want, we're not an old organization. We're a fairly young organization. We want as many alumni possible. We're here because of them. DJ's big on it. I'm big on it. So as many alumni as we can have is with Daniel. You know, obviously, through the summer, I've talked to him a few times. Um, he's not going to take any official role with us, but, you know, we've invited him to be around, as with a lot of other alumni. And, you know, when we were talking about the teams, DJ had team A, B, and C, and I said, why don't we name them after three of our alumni? So we did that with uh, Team Alfredson, Team Neal, and Team Phillips, and all guys coached their team. And, unfortunately, Chris Neal lost both his games, and <laughs> I think a few of the guys let him know about it. So he won't uh, be back. But, and the guys – yeah, and the guys wanted to win. So that was the fun part. And just, I think it's great that our players uh, respect uh, the players that came before them. Uh, they're there because of them. I think we, we have to show them that gratitude and how much they mean to the organization. I, I got one more, Pierre. I know Ron's Wait, wait a second. Hang on. Daniel? I know. I know. Daniel? I got to ask about Daniel, specifically oh, about yeah, Daniel being Daniel, around there. Sorry, I couldn't let that yeah, slide. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel won't be uh, won't be in any official role, but he'll be around. He'll come, and he's been invited. I've told him anytime you want to come, you're always welcome to come here. And you know whether you want to talk to players, talk to our coaches, you know he's this franchise best player. He's a Hall of Famer. We're all excited that he's going in the Hall of Fame um, in November. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be cheering him on. It's it's a tremendous honor uh, for for him and his career and his family. One last one for me, Pierre, and, and I don't know what triggered it the other day, but uh, I, I thought of Brian Murray, and uh, and I just had a chuckle again because of the amount of times that that uh, uh, that uh, he would uh, he, he would criticize me, but in a very loving way, and uh, you know he's probably the favorite GM I've ever covered in my career, and um, I'm wondering if there's a story that you could share that um, that that shows that sense of humor. Uh, you know, obviously, I know he was an important mentor to you. But uh, and I'm sure that there's probably a moment, at least a week, where you think of him. Oh, there are many times I think of Brian. Uh, you know, with Brian, it wasn't like the one story; it was like life lessons. And 
with us is that we both like to eat. We go to lunch every day uh, together. We always go for a sandwich. We love the sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just the way it, it was like little things, you know, like I'll always remember one time we had a bad game against, I think we played, I forget who it was. We had a bad game and the next day he comes in and he, I go, Brian, what will you do? And he'd go, um, you know, just go talk to your coach and you probably got to do the opposite of being hard on him because they had such a bad game and have a good game. And I remember I went down to Guy and Guy wanted to be hard. I said, why don't today just be like, just be normal. Like we don't need to yell. We don't need to show panic. And we, I think we, we did, he did that exactly that. And I think we won like our next three in a row hmm. and, or it was like dealing with referees. Brian hated referees. It's no <laughs> secret. <laughs> it was so mad one game and, so mad after a game felt that you know we got the short end of the stick and I, I asked Brian so what do I do Brian do I call like Stephen Walkham and just yell at him he goes no up here that's not the way to do it you know he goes you're gonna wait till tomorrow morning you're gonna call him in the morning you're gonna explain your case and you're gonna go about things that way you know but but Brian the one thing about people don't know about Brian I don't think he raises his voice at me once and mm. is all my time working with him mm. And he was always so supportive in everything. And he just, common sense in everything. He just talking. Why would you do that, Pierre? Like, not in the way that I'm saying now. He goes, Pierre, if I was in your shoes, why would I want to do that? You know? And it, it was just the way he was. And I always tell one of my favorite stories about Brian Murray was when we drafted Eric Carlson. At the time, I think Eric weighed in at five foot. He was five foot 10, 157 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I was running the draft at that time. And we moved up, but it was all a setup. Uh, and he, he didn't tell me we were going to move up, but he knew in the listening meetings how much we liked him as a group, how much I liked him as a player. And he moves up from 18 to 15, and he goes, Pierre, who are we taking? I said, well, Eric Carlson. He looks at the sheet, and he goes, 5'10", 157, or 159. He goes, how long do you want to work for me? I go, a long time. He goes, are you sure this is the right guy? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay. And you know, we just ended up taking him. So, you know, Brian was just, there's not, I wish people would know the effect he's had on so many other GMs in the league. You mm-hmm. look at all the guys that have worked under Brian Murray that have had success, mm-hmm. uh, that they were in the same organization because he's definitely someone that should be in the hockey hall of fame. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Pierre, we really appreciate you being our first guest here on uh, on Got Your Back. And, you know, though Brad Living clearly beat you in the offseason, you've got a chance <laughs> to get him back in what we all know is the most important section, and that is the preseason. So you go get him in preseason here. <laughs> Will do, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> all right, cheers. Thanks, Take Pierre. care. Appreciate it. Merci. So as a regular part of Got Your Back NHL, LeBron and Rashog, we are going to invite some veteran sports writers and media personalities to do an old school editorial segment. We are dubbing it straight to the point and we are looking forward to it. Our first edition, uh, we bring in a good friend of ours, Scott Burnside, longtime writer, ESPN, The Athletic, has been around the game uh, for multiple decades. And Today in Straight to the Point, Scott tackles the issue of Alex Ovechkin, his ties to Vladimir Putin, and what it means for his pursuit of Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record with the backdrop of Russia's war in Ukraine. It's a difficult topic. Scott Burnside gets straight to the point. Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, uh, 
has become and made himself and his country a worldwide pariah. The ongoing reports of atrocities committed by Russian soldiers against Ukrainian civilians, men, women, children, are ghastly. And the world cannot let up in their pressure to try and bring Putin to heel. So what does that mean for NHL players? At some point, the NHL and the NHLPA are going to have to come forward and say there is no way there can be a Russian team in the 2024 World Cup of Hockey. That it, there is no circumstance I can imagine in the next year and a half that would allow, with, would allow that to happen. But the finest line is going to be, how do people treat Alex Ovechkin and his pursuit of Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record? No Russian hockey player and maybe no Russian athlete is more closely aligned to Vladimir Putin than Alex Ovechkin. Social media presence, uh, off-season connections, the two have been aligned for years and years. Now, would it be great if he came out and denounced Vladimir Putin? Of course. Is that realistic? The danger to any player's family, circle of friends, people who reside in Russia is real because that's who Putin is. So I understand if Alex Ovechkin can't come out and say what most of us would like him to say. But do we really know how he feels about Putin, about what has happened to his country, about the country's actions? We don't know that. And that makes covering him a little bit more difficult. I talked to someone I respect very much in the broadcast industry who suggested acknowledging the pursuit of the all-time goals record without celebrating. I'm not sure how that line is walked. It's a difficult one, but it's an issue that isn't going to go away, not just for Alex Ovechkin, but for every Russian player in the NHL. Excellent perspective, as always, from our good friend Scott Burnside. Pierre, you spent years and years on the road with Scotty. Uh, he definitely uh, has been around long enough to weigh in on these sorts of things. It's a contentious situation. Alex Ovechkin is a huge figure in this game. This record he's chasing is massive, and it's going to last for a while yet. Uh, so tough to figure out the right tone to set when covering it. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, I found myself last year when when Ovechkin was reaching milestones with his goals, just basically ignoring it. And I don't know if that's the right answer because I was uncomfortable with what's happening here, in part because Ovechkin's comments the one time he had the news conference to, when, the, when Russia invaded Ukraine were, you know, they didn't say much. And, and listen, I... What do we want Alex Ovechkin to say? I mean, I, I wonder at some level, Ryan, you know, if Alex Ovechkin truly understands what's going on. Uh, I'm sure he, he does for the most part. But, you you know, you hear about the Russian fake news and, and what some of, some of their citizens are being fed as, 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 as facts. And I wonder how much of that is, is infiltrated in Alex Ovechkin's phone and his social media and what he perceives to be reality. I'm not, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it, it, it's his job, given his stature in life, to understand how wrong this is and understand that his alignment with Putin is 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 something that people are going to want to talk about. Um, and so this isn't going away. That This is a tough subject uh, in a sport where, obviously, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of Russian players. And of course, uh, the Nashville Predators and San Jose Sharks set to head overseas to play an exhibition match. And the country where they're heading is saying that Russian players will not be welcome. Mike Greer, 
uh, digging in and saying, if, uh, if we don't all go, none of us go. Uh, I know, Pierre, you've been making some calls on this. My understanding from the team standpoint is that they don't believe this is going to be a, an issue mm-hmm. significant enough to prevent the trip from happening, but a situation that we continue to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, at this point, I think the, the NHL doesn't think it's going to be an issue, but like you said, uh, they're not there yet. All right. Great episode number one, my friend. We got her. We got her done. She's in the books. Months of planning, months of preparation, <laughs> and we're done, buddy. What do you think? What do you, what yeah, do you I'm excited about this, and and you know we should tell our, our listeners, listeners and viewers that, uh, that Ryan Rashog has put an unbelievable level of work and preparation into this podcast. He came to me months and months ago and said, what do you think of this? And uh, in fact, it's funny because we, we had Scott Burnside on. I had done a podcast for years with Scotty Burnside at ESPN and then at The Athletic. And uh, when Scotty left The Athletic, I had I no longer had a podcast. So this is uh, this was perfect timing. Uh, I enjoyed working with you so much over the years at TSM, but especially last year during the playoffs, Battle of Alberta and Stanley Cup Final. Um, it's, it's, it's for me, came at a perfect time. And I want to thank you for the opportunity. Oh, I had nothing better to do, buddy. I don't have a nice cottage to go to. Like I was bored in the summer anyway, so I thought, why not spend all day making phone calls well, and trying to figure? Well, this you out. didn't lose. You didn't lose my number. That's for sure. No, no, I know. I bugged you so much. I have talked to you more than my wife for the last couple of months. I'm looking forward to it, Pierre. Lots of hockey talk, great friends, and some great storytelling with a good spirit. That's what Got Your Back is all about. And thank you so much to people who, first of all, subscribe to the original Got Your Back, Y.E.G. with Strudwick and I. So excited about this product with Pierre. We'll have Ray, Cheryl Pounder, Darren Drager, lots of other great friends as well joining us. And a big thanks to our sponsors, of course, our title sponsor, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. We're thrilled to have Pro Hockey Life on board for this journey with us. And then, of course, Liberty Smart Security. We appreciate your support. Let's have some fun this season, Pierre. We'll talk to you in a week, my friend.